Football, by the hell. And good evening, everybody, and welcome to another edition of Football bloody hell we're back for a bonus pod this week with bumper premier league action happening in midweek we've got three pods this week you've already listened to one and here we are on tuesday whenever you decide to listen to this pod to go through the midweek barclays action as well as having a little look through the january transfer window with the deadline approaching and of course yeovil have got a big game today against slough town here to discuss it first of all we've got mr thomas bailey is here how you doing tom hello i'm I'm very good. I'm also not used to being Thomas, so that threw me for a curveball for a moment. But uh, I'm Do very you know, I good. Was ju- I was just reading your name as it's presented in front of me on the screen, to be fair. Thank you, Zoom. Also joining us, as it just says on the screen, Rick. Rick is here. How are you doing, Rick? I'm like Prince. I'm like Bono. I need no second name. Thank you very much. <laughs> I'm all right. And formerly known as Rick Hyatt. Yeah. Now just Rick. Rick. Also joining us this evening to complete the quartet. Is it Paul Thorpe? It's not Paul Thorpe. It's Professor Adam Davis. How are you doing, Adam? Very well, thank you. How are we? We are good. We are good. Good to have you on. So have you got your prediction cap on tonight? Certainly do. Have you told Adam that as he is the fourth spoke of the wheel, as it were, he has to provide us with an impression of a Premier League manager. And Unai Emery has been taken. Damn. Yeah. If you've not heard Paul Thorpe's Unai Emery, then I suggest you that lived. you go back through the archives and have a look because it's uncanny. It's so odd to see Paul Thorpe's face and Unai Emery's voice coming out of it. It's, it's quite mind-blowing. People often say to me, have, have, have they seen Paul Thorpe and Unai Emery in the same room at the same time? I bet you haven't. It stands up. There you go. Well, let's look ahead then to Yeovil Town. They say they are playing tonight against Slough Tau. Tom Bailey, I'm going to start with you because Slough come into this game slap bang mid in the middle of the table, 13th in National League South. But they've got some scalps so far this season. So Yeovil Town are going to have to be a little bit wary of that. How do you see this one going? Uh, I would say... On paper, it should be a Yeovil win. Yesterday, well, sorry, we're recording this on Sunday. Yeovil beat, sorry, no, they drew against St. Albans. I'm not with it today. And uh, Slough lost away to bottom of the league, Dover. So it's, it's, they're a bit of a weird team where they drew with Worthing and they beat Maidstone, who, of course, did very well in their FA Cup fixture, beat Bath as well recently, and then lose to Dover. So... I don't really know how it's going to go from a Slough perspective. They do have uh, a couple of solid uh, little players, but I I really don't know what to expect. I I would say Yeovil are probably better poised, but knowing that Michael Smith is injured um, means we may see Jamie Sendles white come back or alternatively we shuffle Morgan Williams out wide or we go to a three at the back formation and just go like Jay Falston in a back three and then stick doors on the wing or something. I'm not too sure, but we saw Stevens back on the bench as well. Another option. We know that Murphy and Hyde are out as well. So we're not too sure. There's rumors of a potential striker coming in to finish us off for the end of the season. But I I don't know. I think it should be over win, but I wouldn't say that's a guarantee. Yeah, Rick, it was um, interesting coming from the press conference this weekend that, um, there is a little bit of a shortage with uh, the striker situation because of injuries. So we might well see 
another addition in the squad uh, come this evening. It's famine or feast, isn't it? Last season, you couldn't find a striker anywhere. The start of this season, you couldn't turn around without bumping into a striker. And now all of a sudden, they've the cupboard is bare again. So, it, yeah, it'll be interesting to see if any moves are made before that. And it'll also be interesting to see how Yeovil cope without Michael Smith. Simply because he's been ever-present all season. He is quality. It is a big hole to fill. And so, yeah, just be that's that's going to be quite an interesting one. Are you are you over that, Tom? How is Michael? Oh, I won't cope. I don't even know if I want to go now. It's it's going to be a hard one. At least it's only an injury, and he will get better, and he will be back. Look on the bright oh, yeah. side. Yeah, it's not permanent. Not What's the situation with Sendles White, Tom? Obviously, he's been out for a long time. I think he's made he made one appearance. He made a comeback since, or not, or, or not yet. I know that he was rumored to be to be coming back, but if he was able to come back fully fit at the right time, then maybe that's an additional option to throw in there. Yeah, I think uh, he's been in the squad. Um, I thought I thought he had. Like, yeah, just bench appearances. He's not actually made any appearances on the pitch. We've still not seen him since that Western Supermare win that uh, we went to. And he was pretty good in that as well. He filled in it right back there. So he can definitely do it. It'll be really good to see him back. I mean, he was thrown in at the deep end, but I think worst comes to worst and he's not ready. He can at least make the bench and... Maybe we go all in and start like Will Dawes at right back or Jay Fulston could probably do a shift at right back as well. Morgan Williams is probably the best choice, but I don't really want to break up that partnership with Jake Wannell. So it's uh, it's going to be interesting to see what Mark Cooper does with his selection tonight. And uh, I'm sure we'll have plenty to talk about across the rest of the week. Well, listening to the commentary on Saturday, I don't think Michael Smith spent an awful lot of time at right back anyway, did he? The impression I got was that he was mostly bombing forward. Adam, before I ask you about the game itself, I just want to bring, cast your mind back really to over Christmas and just your disappointment, because I don't think we've had an opportunity to speak to you since you were obviously hoping to go to the Taunton fixture, which subsequently got postponed and how gutted that must have been for you because the listeners will know by now if they don't already that you don't live in the area and your opportunity to watch you over in the flesh this season diminished over the Christmas period it did the the obvious the immediate spin that you put on is it gives me more opportunity to listen to three families radio than I previously would which of course is the correct response to it yeah I still haven't fully recovered Uh, I don't think I ever truly will but it's it's one of those where it's been just really frustrating but what I'm quite grateful is, of course, everyone can see it. The overall performing very, very well. So I get to go and watch us be underwhelming next year in the National League at the moment in, in the far-flung corners of Northern England. And I'm really looking forward to being underwhelmed at Rochdale and things like that. I, I am really excited for that. Yeah, I mean, let's let's talk about the form. We don't always get an opportunity to talk all things Yeovil Town um, with yourself. But 28 games played, 63 points. It's not a bad place to be when we sit here towards the end of January, is it? No, not even remotely. It's It's been, if anything, that's added to my frustration because it's the best Yeovil Town team we've seen in a decade and I'm at the wrong end of the country most of the time. And when I wasn't, the weather and the powers that be suggest otherwise. So I, I am looking to try and get down outside of the university term towards sort of Weymouth away, Worthing at home sort of level. Ideally, when we ideally win the league, that will be quite good. And then I can take all the glory. But uh, yeah, it's it's one of those where it's been fantastic to watch on the outside. It's really nice having friends of mine that are teams that support, that are a lot more successful than Yeovil and have been for many years. And them finally complaining about different results. And I can go, 
well, we won this weekend and we won in midweek and we won that one. And even though we didn't play well, we still picked up a point rather than being the other way around where we knew we played badly and we were lucky that we got a point. It's it's a really nice change. It's been nice to see a competitive playing squad. I think it's probably the posh way of putting it. The fact that we're sat here very upset that Michael Smith is injured, but we've reeled off at least three or four players who could probably fill in for a game or two. I can't remember the last time Yeovil had that sort of level of squad depth. Okay, yeah, Michael Smith is very much a cut above, but he'd be a cut above in most of the National League. So it's one of those where you hear about those teams that are particularly successful at National League level or League Two because they've got a bit more financial clout compared to their competitors and can attract great talent. And you never really consider Yeovil to be one of those, but it's nice to have it for a year. Can we stop mentioning the fact that Michael Smith's injured? Because Tom's visibly yes, wilting. Yes, I apologise. I was going to ask <laughs> if he needed some tissues, but we'll we'll, we'll move, move on. Move on. <laughs> Moving on. Sorry, Tom. Adam, what I do want to ask you is because we've got a mixed bag of opinions here on the podcast, uh, which won't surprise you when it comes to where your thinking is in terms of is the league done and dusted already versus taking each day as it comes, each game as it comes, and not really believing it until obviously we get over the line because Yeovil have put themselves in such a commanding position and the teams underneath Yeovil have been taking points off each other all season. Where do you sit at the moment or is it still very much a case of being that Yeovil fan? It's still very much a case as I won't believe it until I see it. I don't know which one is weighing my expectations down more, the fact that I'm British or the fact I'm a Yeovil fan. But the fact that both of them would suggest that until it's mathematically impossible, we are still very much within the opportunity where it could all go horribly wrong. We are the type of nation and indeed club where these sort of things would take place. That being said, I'm definitely more confident than I normally would be. I think even if you go back as far as Hemel Hempstead, first game of the season, I think the the level of optimism and going, oh yeah, maybe we are actually quite good at this is is notable. It's really nice to see. Part of me is actually more excited about where this side looks the following year. Where where do we sit in relation to the National League? Of course, uh, for those that don't know, I, I see National League level football more than I do National League South because I, I end up working at York City an awful lot, a, a team that we all love. But what it means is I get a pretty good indicator of what the National League is looking like and, and the type of quality of football you compare that to what i can see on national league tv and uh, putting it on mute and of course sticking three values radio over the top and it's an interesting one i think we actually could do rather well and that's of course if we keep the squads i think the forwards would have to improve i think you'd need someone like a sunny cox on a regular basis is the type of quality you'd need to sort of thrive at that level but the midfield looks good and the defense looks good and if we can keep Joe Day that's a nice that's a nice benefit i do fear for the likes of murphy and hyde and whether that's quite their level now if of course they can stay injury free but again i haven't seen much of dylan morgan i don't know whether he looks particularly exciting or anything like that again keeping the potential of ollie thomas coming in that would be a nice addition if that's possible from the very little we saw of him so the answer is still trying to keep it all together, but definitely more optimistic than I have been more oh, 10 years. at the Well, in fact, probably ever as a Yeovil fan, because even when we got promoted up to the championship, nobody expected us to do that. So that's a level of optimism that we didn't have even then. Uh, so arguably, it's, it's my entire watch time. I mean, regardless of your stance, I'm sure we could all agree that it would be a heck of a collapse if they weren't to do it now. I think it would be fair to put it into that context. 
I don't think we possibly respond to that because is this an extension of the commentator's curse? And I feel like if we if we confirm that or indeed deny it, that is only going to make that it will happen. So Dave's not going to be able to tie you down to a date when I'm the trophy is going to be handed here. over. I'm like purely he's... here to ask the questions. Yeah, I'm you... not here to gauge any opinion. Oh, you're a horrible man putting people under I... pressure like that. I'm here to give you boys the platform to let your opinions reach wherever they need to, to reach. Get, just to give each of us enough rope that we can hang ourselves with ridiculous predictions of what's going to happen in the future. You're a horrible man, Prior. I've said it before and I'll say it again. Tom Bailey, am I a horrible man? No, you could never be a horrible man, Dave Pryor. No As answer. he's texting Rick and Adam now <laughs> under the desk. <laughs> I'm going to give you an answer. I think we're going to do it at Braintree. Oh, which is the 23rd of March. It's a week before Torquay. Yeah. I know a lot of people are saying Torquay, but I think with the gap we've got and the fact we've got games in hand and the fact that teams around us will still keep losing, they've still got to play each other, I'm sure, some of them. The way the teams around Yeovil are dropping points at the moment, they might have enough already. 63 mm. might be enough to do it. Move on. But this, see, this comes back to my point, doesn't it? That I know that in any other given context, you can't say it's done until it's done. But, I mean, it's a heck of a position to be in, isn't it? There's a fat I mean... lady somewhere warming her throat <laughs> as we speak. Is that fair to say? I was going to say, if you look at the league above, it's a similar gap that Chesterfield have got. And everyone's yeah. gone, yeah, Chesterfield's got this. Yeah, no problem at all. We'll see Chesterfield in League Two next year. And we're in the exact same position. We're going, oh, not sure about that. No, I don't know. I can understand it. Yeah, it's irritating. Although, although I, mean, I don't I don't think there's ever going to be a situation that Yeovil aren't going to do it now. Let's be honest. Mentally, if you think that it is done and it is whatever, it could result in the season just ending disappointingly and being a bit flat rather than if you keep going at it 100% all the time you could end up with record points hauls record goals scored and lots and lots of wins and stuff whereas Yeovil could probably fall over the line now jokingly not with the points they've got but if they put in shoddy performances from now to the end of the season it's a big enough gap that you know they could fall over the line not playing particularly well but what you want to do is you want to keep that incentive there and keep targets in mind I'm sure I'm sure Mark Cooper wants to do that. Keep pushing them each week so that you don't rest on your laurels and every game is a competitive game and you, and you don't assume that everything's a given and you've just got to turn up and win. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, I think we can all agree, really, that before a ball was kicked, we were saying at least playoffs. We want to obviously be in the position that we find themselves in. Um, but I think we were all realistic that off the back of the season what we had and just the general demise and the direction the club was going in, I think it's fair to say that we're all looking at playoffs at least. So even if they were to, you know, God forbid, relinquish some sort of lead, that they're still in a very healthy position to still be playing football after the season comes to an end. So I'm positive. I'm, as far as I'm concerned, it's 1.5 hands on the trophy, Adam. I would say that's a fairly accurate description. I definitely won. Um, I'm not sure about the half. What if it's but, the old uh, league no. cup and that's got three yeah. handles? <laughs> that's a Liverpool problem in a couple of weeks' time, Rick. No, the Carabao's been cancelled <laughs> this year, as you well know, because the, the people weren't given the final they wanted. We've discussed this. Now move. It's gone what, back to being a Mickey Mouse trophy this season. It was very important last year. It's now back to being Mickey Mouse. Move on. Everybody wanted a Middlesbrough Fulham one. Everyone knows that. Yeah, Rick has been banging the... Fulham Middlesbrough drum for quite some time, but didn't happen, did it? But we still keep bringing them back on these prediction pods. There must be something that you give the listeners, and there's something you give to this pod, Rick, or we wouldn't have you back. I got you over winning 2 0 right the other week. Can I add, I got both the Fulham Liverpool one all draw bang on 
And I also got the one-all draw between St. Albans and Yeovil bang on as well. I, I'm on form at the moment. Are you on fire, Tom Bailey? Oh, yeah. Smoking. Yeah, it has occurred to me that seeing as I'm the one that asks the questions the majority of the time, it should be me that keeps the note of who says what. But I haven't really been doing that. So ah. um, <laughs> it's just for the listeners to uh, keep a note of that at home. And I'm just so for yourselves to stuff. gloat when you need to. Discussions are afoot. That may well be changing next season. Oh, a little peek behind the yeah, curtain there, yes. Rick Hyatt. Yeah, so uh, then, then we may have a have something to reveal at the end of the season. Well, sticking with it then, Yeovil tonight versus Slough. Rick, we'll stick with you. How do you see this one going? 3-0 to the Green Army. He's gone big. Tom Bailey. Uh, I'm going to go 3-2. 2. Yeovil, sorry. Good man. That would have just undone everything we've just said about <laughs> how they're going to get on this season. If got... Yep, and they're going to lose. No, no. 3-2 Yeovil. I think Slough got enough goals in them, but we'll do we'll do better. So I'm going to come in very quickly and say that I think it will be a 2-0 home win because 2-0 does seem to be a very prominent scoreline at home. And I think that they will continue that feat. And I still think that Joe Day will keep on continuing his clean sheet record at Hewish Parks, giving yourself some thinking time now, Adam. How do you see it? Oh, uh, nothing. Nothing screams like a yeah. We'll definitely win, like a one-nil scrappy win. You're gonna stick your neck out with that one, are you? Ah, uh, one-nil, hundred percent, one-nil. So Brilliant. don't forget, you can listen to Three Valleys Radio tonight, and if you tune in at around about seven forty, you'll listen to myself, Dave Pryor. Alongside Mr. Ricky Hyatt, who will be with me for the evening. Looking forward to it, Rick? Yeah, that's why I predicted 3-0. So we've got a lovely game of football to, to watch. We've got goals, goals, goals. We have got goals, goals, goals. And there's no pauses where we're, we're playing Sudoku or anything like that. We can watch the game and, and relate it to the listeners, which will be lovely. A lovely 3-0 win, please. Thank you. So moving on then, before we get to the midweek Premier League preview, Adam Davis is here. And it wouldn't be Three Valleys Radio, wouldn't it? If they didn't ask him a question, something towards transfers or finance or something along those Some lines. Some financial Adam. questions. So as our unofficial financial expert, Adam, you can take that title on, do what you want with it. You can use it, you can bin it, whatever you want to do with it. But while you're here, the January transfer window, the deadline is approaching. And it's fair to say that it's been a little bit of a stinky window in terms of drama and all the other big panicky signings that you often see at this time of year so linking it in with your financial expertise is this all to do with the financial sanctions that we've seen against Everton and Nottingham Forest and what's looming over for Manchester City for different reasons has this set a precedent for all clubs to be careful now with the spend the short answer is yes the long answer, which is slightly better, is is sort of. For some clubs, it very much is. If you look at what it's been for the last couple of windows, definitely last year, although we thought, OK, loads of money was spent at the last winter window, realistically, it was spent by two teams. One of them was Chelsea and the other one was Nottingham Forest. Both of them are now sitting with looming FFP charges over them. So it... it, it does inevitably have an effect. I think a lot of the clubs, which I think has been something that hasn't really been discussed by anyone that I've noticed, 
everyone seems pretty happy with the squads they've got, or at least very much at the top end. There's not been, you haven't seen that many huge notable injuries from a lot of those teams. You know, they're out for six months at a time that's worth plugging the gap with somebody of a decent quality. De Bruyne is probably the only one that would immediately scream to mind at someone like Man City. Even Haaland, you knew you would come back and that's not been too bad. Liverpool, for once, haven't actually been that ruined with injuries compared to compared to previous years, which has looked like it's derailed their season. Arsenal, similar problems. So is there actually that much need to to change the squads that are that are ongoing. Um, in terms of why we're not seeing it across the rest of the pyramids, well, we're seeing it a lot more in the Championship and League One. But again, this is very much loans and free transfers. I think the clubs have all started to win the rounds that you will inevitably pay a slightly inflated fee mid-year than you do at the end of the season because you've got less leverage and all of them have got no money, which has always been the issue, unfortunately, in the Championship. You are still seeing a few signings from, from very much the top end. So there's quite a few from... There's quite a few at Portsmouth, for example, in League One, or quite a few from Ipswich who are looking to sort of try and cement themselves at the top end of the table. We're, we're, we're hearing rumours of quite a few going to Ipswich over the next couple of days. But inevitably, we'll see a flurry on deadline day, uh, even if just Sky basically give them a nudge and just go, go on, make us do something, please, because we've got nothing to talk about. And they haven't been able to talk about anything for weeks. So... Um, I think this could be a pattern that we see at least until most of the clubs have resolved their financial issues. Having said that, though, still wouldn't be surprised, Rick, if as soon as deadline day approaches, there'll be money splashing around afoot and the panic will really start to set in. It takes one transfer, doesn't it? And that sort of has a domino effect. Then somebody's got money to spend on whatever. And Jim White's still paying the HP on that yellow jacket he wears on on the sky so so something's got to happen Andy Carroll probably moves somewhere some some idiot will pay a lot of money for Andy Carroll in January I mean what sort of fool would do that well this is what I mean those were the stories that you used to relate to who were like oh Andy Carroll's in a helicopter oh Fernando Torres is on the M1 he's on his way down to Chelsea Tom we're not going to see stuff like this so much anymore and it certainly doesn't seem like we're going to see it in this window from what we've seen so far yeah I I think the likes of Fabrizio Romano and David Ornstein have almost killed that. There's no surprises anymore because you know about it before it's even happened. And people are so in tune online now. Like you even have like Arsenal fans in particular are guilty of this, of tracking flights. And, and I think it was the Gabriel transfer a few years ago where they, they worked out that it was Gabriel and, and where he was, judging from the position of the sun from his sunroof in the car on the way to the stadium, which was concerning because they were right. So I think things like that uh, is dead now. There's It's too digital and everything is known. That's more of a wider question though, isn't it, Tom? Because we spoke a lot about, is there just too much football? Is there too much content? There's you know, too much There's too Far much be it from, from me to ask that question on a football content <laughs> podcast. <laughs> Giving the on an extra opportunity one. to listen on an additional yeah, on a bonus. <laughs> you won't get the surprises like that anymore. It's too difficult, especially like the whole deadline day with with people standing outside the ground as well. It got a bit silly and it's it stopped. It's a shame. But yeah, deadline day doesn't have the same feeling anymore. When do you think was the last time that Harry Redknapp rolled the window down on his car? It's been a while. QPR, wasn't it? Was that his last one? Possibly. 2014? Transfer day. Deadline day excitement is gone, along with Harry. Yeah, it, it, it was probably it probably coincided with the Peter Oden wingy story, oh, didn't it? Because yeah. I think he was at QPR. He then. threw himself down to QPR. 
Did when he, Peter did he, shouldn't have been there. Was that the night he tried to visit all 92 clubs in one evening? <laughs> yeah, it was um, It was quite the story, but you're absolutely right. There used to be a time where I'd feel like, right, as soon as I get home, it's Sky Sport News all the way. Get a pizza in, like to switch everything else off. It's just pure deadline day where it feels like isn't quite like that anymore. But then, as you say, Tom, with the likes of uh, David Ornstein, Fabrizio Romano and other content that's available, maybe it's just that we're already in tune to what's going on. You just get home and scroll through Twitter instead because they've already told you what's going to happen. And then about an hour later, Sky Sports confirm it. That's all it is. It's a shame, but it just goes to show the impressive network that... um Romano and Ornstein uh, have built up. Who is your chosen trusted source? Is it Romano or Ornstein? Oh, good question. So I would normally say Romano because I do a lot more reading than listening. However, David Ornstein's on a lot more audio related things. So if I'm listening to anything on The Athletic, chances are David Ornstein's going to pop up during the month of January. So it's kind of a little of both, to be fair, depending if I'm reading or listening. For me, it's Ornstein. Because any tweet he's tweeted is bang on. Whereas Romano's missed a couple of times. I know he does a lot. But... He then tries to correct himself, doesn't he? Then like, oh, it's all broken down last minute. Yeah, and I'm like, no. Did it? <laughs> no, you're not getting away with that. Ornstein, if, if Ornstein tweets something, it's happening. What about you then, Adam? What's your pick of the two choices between Romano and Ornstein? Surprisingly, I have quite strong views on this. I'm lucky enough that I, I meet lots of people that claim to be in the know. Uh, but if I had to pick one, uh, I usually pick Ornstein. The reason is exactly like you said, Dave. He very rarely, if I've ever seen him get it wrong, in Venice, the first blunder I saw him actually make was around Calvin Phillips the other day, which was which was quite interesting. It was all it was all to do with whether he'd had the option to buy or not. Now I happened to be quite quiet that day at work and refreshed Twitter three times in the space of five minutes, and it was a different post by Ornstein with a slight amendment three times. It's almost as if he doesn't actually know because there so was an option it, initially, wasn't it? And then that disappeared as the day went on, and then it and then it came back, and then it disappeared yeah. again. So who's to say that that's on him? You know, might be he. They genuinely might not know, but in fairness, he he seems a lot more accurate. Romano just seems to know lots of people and the proverbial throw everything at the wall and see what how does sticks. this how does this work adam just sort of having a little peek behind what mm. makes them who they are is this a position that their employer puts them into to be that man in the know or is it something they take upon themselves to build their own contacts and then sort of become this in the know character off their own back if you see what i mean inevitably it's a bit of both so at the end of the day they're both journalists and therefore their whole opportunity and their whole USP is, can we get the information out to the people as quickly as possible? What that information ends up being, or the quality of that information, depends on the sources they receive and the sources they're connected to. That's the same with all journalism, really. They managed to pick up the, the power of social media on these sort of things quicker than most, and they just got particular traction. In terms of those that are actually giving them the information, chances are some of them will be links to the clubs. It'll be people that will want getting certain information out there, and that applies to all of them. And a lot of them will be the players' agents. Those agents will be seeing it in one of two ways. It's very much like the classic deadline deal day stuff that we talked about earlier. If a club gets wind that a player is going to a certain area or is told that they're going to a certain place, 
it opens their opportunity to get some information or to renegotiate what there is on the table as well. So it's it's still very much the case as you see in sort of traditional forms, but uh, it just happens to be that we see it a lot quicker than we normally do because it's on our phones rather than on the television or anything like that. So it only benefits the likes of The Athletic to have somebody of Ornstein's quality there it builds into their brand very nicely. But I think that they could very easily, you know, once you get a few of those deals, the bigger ones, and break them quickly in a row, you sort of start to create your brand by doing that fairly quickly. Because Romano was sort of the first person everyone sort of talked about. And then Ornstein seems to have got a few in quick succession and everyone's now holding him in the same regard that they hold Romano for the last two or three years, really. Just gives you an opportunity, Rick, to say, it's not like it used to be, is it, eh? I usually find I get my information from page 304 of Teletext. I thought you were going to say page three. No, don't be so rude. <laughs> Another one for the kids there. CFAX? Yes. Preference out the two, though, Romano or uh, Ornstein? Do you follow uh, the latest way to get your news? Ornstein, because he's not Romano, basically. And for that reason alone? Yeah. Or do you not tend to seek those sort of avenues of journalism it's just you find out when stuff happens as it happens when it hits the news i like to deal in hard facts not speculation and i've been let down on so many transfer the daily mail gossip column as some of us here on free valleys radio like to get their news from i've spent so many transfer deadline days wishing for maran fellaini to to move that i just lost faith in the whole system (laughs) it's rubbish well we'll move away from deadline day and all things transfers because this is why we're really here for the midweek special with Premier League offering. We've got a midweek offering due to the FA Cup fixtures that happened this weekend. And it all starts on Tuesday this evening where we have Nottingham Forest and Arsenal from half past seven. Who should we go to first? Tom Bailey, I'll go to you. A lot of links at Arsenal at the moment now that Xavi's announced that um, he's going to be leaving Barcelona few murmurs about whether or not Arteta would be influenced in taking that position up in Catalonia. Will that have any effect on this one? How do you see it going, Tom? Uh, I don't see it having any effect as I don't really see any reason for Arteta to go. He's clearly in the middle of something he's building here and I think it would be a really weird move if he were to go now. If he were to be put under some pressure and say they were like sixth it's clearly not working i think it would make a bit more sense but until then i don't really see why he would go in terms of the the game itself i don't see it having any effect and i think arteta will show that he is committed to this project and continue to do whatever he can to try and get arsenal back into the title fight and to be fair they're not out of it still they're only five points behind liverpool they've played the same games so it's only manchester city they've got to sort of wait for before we truly know any of the gaps obviously they played each other on the opening day and Arsenal did get a 2-1 win there but just thinking back to their history at the county ground and they've the both times they've visited in the past couple of years have been 1-0 losses so for that reason I'm just Ooh. gonna we might just chuck it out there three in a row Forest one, Arsenal nil. It's a good point you made there, Tom, as well, because I had it hadn't occurred to me that it's a reverse of all the opening day fixtures. But you're absolutely right; it is, isn't it? Be interesting to see which teams can take their revenge. But Tom's kicked off with a big one, with a one nil win. Adam, I'm going to chuck it to you next. Do you see a shock on the cards? If you want to call it a shock, 
at the city ground? In fairness, it's exactly the same logic that I had in my head. I thought it, it's, it is the type of thing that Forest could do and have done in the last two years. They have picked up sort of scalps again, aren't still. Again, different manager and inevitably an entirely different starting eleven, subject to Forest's um, modus operandi. But uh, I think overall it'll be, a, it'll be a decent performance. I've looked at the form and actually, weirdly, in the last three games, Forest are in better form than Arsenal, which is an interesting one to, to take into consideration. But it is still hard to look past just quite how good Arsenal can be. And this is the type of team that when Arsenal get going, they they really can stuff them quite notably. So we'll inevitably go one way or the other. They'll either look really, really naff or really, really good. So because Tom said really naff, I'll say really good and say Arsenal 3-0. Oh, it's gone comprehensive in that as well. Rick, how do you see it? Not as comprehensive as Adam, although comprehensive. I think that Arteta will be particularly annoying and jumpy up and downy, as per usual. And I, th- I think that the Gooners are going to come away from, from Forest with, with a 2-0 win. Rick, will, will Arteta's hair move at all while he jumps around? At no point will it move. I have scientific <laughs> evidence to prove this. It, it moved ever so slightly during the, the storms over Christmas in January. One of the January storms caught him unawares. And just above his left temple, it wobbled a little bit. But no, it's all rigidly back in place now and there will be no hair movement at all. Exclusive. Ornstein didn't get that, did he? (laughs) Calls himself a professional. Here we go. So I think Forrest will get a goal, but I think Arsenal will win the game. I I think they have to win this game. Like you boys have touched on, I think Nuno's done okay, really, hasn't he? Considering all the off-field stuff that's, that's happening at Forrest and he's managed to get Chris Wood firing when it looked like that he was sort of done really for, from his in terms of his Premier League um, qualities but yeah I think Arsenal will come away with a 2-1 win and they, they, Arsenal needs something out of the likes of Saka don't they that seems to have gone stale quiet, a little bit over the last few weeks so I think whilst he's still in Dave Pryor's fantasy team Bukayo this is a message from me to you peace to camera I need you to perform tonight I need you to perform so that means that Tom's prediction will come true, no doubt. Brilliant. <laughs> Forest will win by a goal to nil. Well, else we got on offer tonight? It's Fulham against Everton. Fulham have not had a good week, Rick, considering that uh, they are expected in your eyes to uh, get themselves to a Wembley final and knock out Newcastle, though you might have said that Fulham wouldn't beat Newcastle. I can't actually remember if you said that or not, but I remember having a discussion with you about Fulham having a great week, but it didn't turn out to be that way. Will they have a good midweek? I think they'll have a very dull midweek and play out a zero to zero draw. Avoid this one. TNT, BT Sports have got the midweek fixtures and this is not one that they're televising. And I think they're quite wise not to televise it. I think it's to, to use your, your phrase, it's going to be a bit stinky and it's going to be dull. Tom, can you smell Fulham and Everton creeping up? Uh, I can. I'm not particularly enthralled by it. I think it's going to be uh, two teams that aren't in great form. Everton, have well, both teams have only won one of the last five and Everton's it was a stinky 1-0 against Palace. I mean, Fulham beat Rotherham. That's their only win. Admittedly, they've had Liverpool twice, Chelsea and Newcastle. So maybe I'm being a bit harsh. Does it I, feel like in a roundabout way that these two teams are doing better than what they actually are? I think Fulham started better than I 
realize they did i've not really been convinced at all by them all season though they've really had like a 14th place season season i don't know i've not really been inspired by them and everton have overperformed and they're lower in the table than they should be because of their points deduction i am gonna go for a oh one all if you're not sure stick it as a draw yep and tom bailey has gone for that particular avenue adam davis how do you see this one going with a with a positive stench uh, inevitably uh, i can see it being very very dull because both teams are not in great form and even when everton are in good form they don't exactly play free-flowing exciting football they do the job Uh, and in fairness to them i think they are going to do the job again it's not going to be pretty but it is going to be effective and i'm going to actually predict an everton win uh, but it's going to be one nil and it's going to be really scrappy. And at some point, it will come off James Tarkovsky's head. And that is as far as we're going to get. So I would go as far as saying that it would be 1-0. But in the other direction, uh, I've got a sneaky suspicion on Fulham coming out in what you boys have described as a very uninspiring game of football. But then having said that, I feel like there's been times this season when I've predicted Fulham to do well and they haven't. So... Maybe Everton have got a chance on, on that alone, but I think Fulham will uh, come out victorious and get themselves back on track for, say, what, a mid-table finish? Probably not going to be much higher than that. Just thinking back to that 5-0 you predicted against West Ham. There's no need to get bogged down on the predictions that I've got wrong. Let's just keep moving along. That could take a while if we're going to go through all Dave's predictions yeah. he's got wrong. <laughs> he's got plenty more to get wrong on this pod. Crack There's on, Dave, get another one, one wrong. Well, should we do Luton-Brighton? Luton got a brilliant win over Everton in the FA Cup. They're going along nicely, really, considering what people would have expected Luton to do at the start of the season. But with Jao Pedro in his penalty form, I don't think you can really look beyond a Brighton win here. And I'm going to say nil two to kick off the offering here. Rick Hyatt, over to you. I think everybody's developing a bit of a soft spot for Luton, aren't they? The, the manner they've gone about this this season, I think if anybody, if one of the three promoted teams was going to escape from it, I think most people would be quite happy if it, if it was... Do we do we go as far as calling them plucky Luton? I think that's Are a bit plucky? condescending. I think you owe the, pe- the good people of Luton Town Football Club an apology, Dave Pryor. I stayed in a hotel in Luton before I went on holiday to Greece last year. Lovely, lovely little steakhouse I went to. Nice hotel. Only good things and positive vibes about Luton. Rick Hyatt, carry on. Is it true that Joe Pedro has, has become so proficient at penalties that he's now getting Salah put on the back of his shirt? Such is the frequency that he's taking penalties now. Or did I just make that up? You know what I sent you in the chat, Rick. You're a horrible man. Who's second on the list? Who's second on the list? Is it Mr. Fernandez by any chance? One penalty this season. <laughs> so you can shut your face. Luton won... Hipsters won. A pluckiness will come through. They will, they'll get a There you go, see? Plucky is good. <laughs> it's now positive, is it? Okay, moving on. <laughs> Adam, do you see any plucky positives for Luton Town here? Countless, but not today. I think if this was at the Amex, this could very easily be four or five. But because, because I think the way Luton play, it does do well against most Premier League sides. Brighton play at such a ferocious pace when they want to that it is almost impossible to stop. We see that a lot last year. As a result, 3-0 Brighton. Ooh, comprehensive again from Adam. Tom, 
Well, it's a one goal advantage straight away, almost a handicap with the Al Pedro penalty. Brighton, when they have scored, have really scored. In their past five, they, they've either had <laughs> none or. You've really scored a goal there. I've not heard that they've before, really but scored. I get what you mean. They've, you... they've really scored. In their past five, they've hit four past Spurs, four past Stoke, and they hit five against Sheffield United at the weekend. Really? But they've, got, they've had two shutouts midweek. So I think they're going to score plenty of goals, and I think Luton will give them a good game. I think I'm going to say 3-2 to Brighton. What constitutes a really then? At least, at least three goals? Is that what we're saying on the really scored gauge you've troubled him tom with with this analogy now he, he look he looks concerned yeah because i'm gonna to have to ask it again in that context as the weeks go by are they going to really score <laughs> it's like going out out you're gonna really score really, really I, score. I think i think we i think we do that when you're uh, inevitably when you have scored four uh, uh, against slough tonight and and you highlight and i, I actually want to hear this on commentary being like yeah, yeah they really over. scored tonight yeah I will write that down because I would have forgotten by this evening, Rick. <laughs> okay, <laughs> really scored. Uh, what else have we got then, chaps, this evening? Of course, it's Crystal Palace, Sheffield United. And we know, listener, that you're not going to be paying any attention to these results because you'll be listening to Rick and I uh, on the airways this evening. You'll be merely just casting an eye over these fixtures as the score lines come in. But Palace against Sheffield United. Adam, we'll start with you this time. Palace... They need something, don't they? Is this the perfect fixture for them? Chris Wilder's just got the the blade scoring again and they look a little bit more potent than they have done in recent weeks. But is this still a bit of a gimme for the home side, do you think? It's hard to say because although Chris Wilder has got them scoring, they still don't really do this whole winning lark very well, which which does make things slightly harder for them. Of course, and every time that I have been on the predictions pod... I always stick up for my former employers. So I am going to say that Sheffield United are going to win. Um, It's going to be, is it almost as doleful as Fulham Everton? It's on a similar level based on how Palace are currently playing. So it'll be scrappy. It'll be underwhelming. But it will be a Sheffield United win. Ooh. By some to less. Specifically, you're the numbers, man. Yeah, exactly. And, you know and, them and, uh, all, Adam. You can't got no excuse. You know all the numbers. Could we have two, please? Uh, four nil, Sheffield United. Blimey, oh crikey. <laughs> You've got to back them. It's uh, Yeah, it's going to be fine. And that is why Adam is an expert with the figures, ladies and gentlemen. Put <laughs> <laughs> them up. This has got a really score written all over it. <laughs> Tom, any advances on four? Well, I don't think Sheffield United are going to really score. I do think they will score, though. I've been torn between a 1-0 win and a one all draw, and I'm switching last second to a one all draw. Sheffield United are definitely improving, but I don't know if they're going to improve enough to get anything from Palace. I feel weird in saying that because Palace have really not impressed me, but it's just going to be a bit dull. One of them games last to the match of the day running order, I will add. And for that reason, I think I will go for a one all draw. Rick? Any advances on um, <laughs> Sheffield United uh, really scoring here tonight? I've, I'm somewhat bemused. Strangely enough, I fall somewhere between the two previous predictions. I think it's going to be two. No one said a Desmond yet? No, because uh, despite what Adam said, I can't see Sheffield United scoring two goals. So I think it will be, uh, if, if Elise is fit, which is rumoured, 
then I think that will be enough for Palace and the wise old eagle of Woy to, to, to be victorious by two English goals to one English goal. Oh, you've gone and said it now, Rick, because I agree with you. You've fundamentally forgotten all of this. All three of you are on the predictions pod quite regularly, and therefore your predictions are held to account. I appear on a a several monthly basis, can make swathing accusations and can then run away again. You're getting like a whole season's worth of goals in one set of fixtures. Well, well, they haven't had them over the previous 20 games. They're weeks, saving so... them up. <laughs> They've been saving them up that, for when Adam's on the predictions pod. And now we're going to go Adam's crazy. Way, that's Adam's way of telling us that he's unavailable for the next two months by just going big on all his scorelines. He's used all like, the goals are you, trying to, are you trying to tell us something, Adam? You're not going to be on for the next 12 weeks. <laughs> I couldn't possibly say. I'm making a last second change. Sorry, jumping in before we get to. Oh, we've not had that before, Rick. Can we? Can we allow that? I'm not sure. The adjudication the panel is is due to. I don't know. Put forward your case, Thomas Bailey. What is your case? <laughs> well, Sheffield United have a new goalkeeper. <laughs> Wes Fotheringham is no more. Therefore, a clean sheet is in order. So I do think I'm going back to the original. I'm going to say one 0 Sheffield United. Well, according to Adam, it's Crystal Palace that could do with a new goalkeeper. Because he's going to let four in. Yeah. Tom has highlighted that there will be a clean sheet. He has not highlighted that there will be many goals at the other end. Dave Pryor, I defy you to say something more ridiculous than the predictions we've already had for this fixture. Oh, I can't because I've I, I agree with you of all of all things, Rick. I agree. <laughs> Don't do that. I agree that <laughs> Crystal Palace will win by two goals to one. Uh, what I would say is if it's uh, our esteemed colleagues are correct and Sheffield United win this game, I think Roy is sacked by Wednesday afternoon. That would be sad, wouldn't it? Don't you think that would be a sad way for... Presumably it's the end. He's not, he's not going to get another Premier League. Uh, we said this last time, though. Yeah, we said this on the time before know, that as well. But... Oh. Will, will Roy Hodgson still have a job when Adam joins us for the end of season special? That's Who will last longer? <laughs> Who, who's going to make if, a, another appearance on, if I have on, it, the, on if the If pod? I have it my way, Dave, he'll have left... And then rejoined by the time I'm next on the... Well, that's the point. Yeah, another manager will have failed and they'll have got Roy in to see Palace through to the end of the season. So it's not all over for him yet. There's still life in the old, in the wise old owl yet. Now that Dave has made that call as well, can we have him have the same treatment as I've had with Iriola, where if Palace go on a running streak now, we just hold him to account of what he said. Every week. Yeah. Have the Iriola In my defence, I would say a lot of people are talking about it rather than just one outrageous opinion here on <laughs> Bloody Hell. I would also hey, say hey, that um, hey, in, in Tom's hey. defence, at least Iriola is like of employable age. You are laying the boot into a pensioner, young man, and you should yeah. be thoroughly ashamed of yourself. <laughs> oh, he deserves... a terrible human being. You are a horrible man. He deserves better. Oh, it's not like he's going to rely on his pension, is it? Come on. He spent it all. That's why he's still going. <laughs> Yeah, he needs that job. He does. He really needs that job. Poor Roy. But like I say, he's going to keep his job because I think Palace are going to win. So therefore, by definition, he will at least be safe for another week. Have a stay of execution, thanks to you. Absolutely. Well, talking of execution, next up, it's Aston Villa, (laughs) Newcastle. Oh, Oh, no, you've got to cut that one. My word. Beautifully done, Dave. That's beautiful. (laughs) It's very rare that you're poetic, but I fear that you just have been. <laughs> I will let you. I'll let you decide at home, listener, if that is staying staying in on what I mean by that. So, Rick, we'll start with you. How do you see this one going this evening? Oh, you've you, you've you've winded me. 
it's not only me that says outrageous things about the very, very acceptable regime in charge. Hey, of you can't prove what I meant by that comment. No. So, uh, I could have been talking about anything. It says more about the listener than it does about you, Dave. Absolutely. You just threw it out there. But I think that, oh, I don't know. I can't see the camel botherers getting anything. Have they, got an, have they got an injury crisis? Has anybody found out? Have Newcastle got an injury crisis? I did find it interesting earlier that when Adam was listing through the team yeah, I know. and had injuries, I thought Rick's going to come in at some no. point here, but you bit your tongue. I kept my powder dry on that one. But apparently Newcastle have had some injuries. I don't know if you've noticed. They've had a few injuries just recently. And is, is Almiron still going to be there? Or have the Saudi League put in a 50... Hundred million pound bid, totally kosher bid. To well, try this is interesting, some... isn't it? Because on the last, it was the Fulham game on Saturday. Um, he came out in his press conference and he seemed to be worried about the players that he'd be able to keep at the club, which is a really interesting stance from, say, you know, just six months ago in the summer. Yeah, I don't know. Tyndall's going to be a pillock. Where's Where's Thorpey when you need him? Where we need somebody who can perform a reliable Unai Emery impression. And he's, and he's not here. But I think that Aston Villa will win by three Birmingham goals. Don't you dare do the accent. Three Birmingham goals to one Geordie goal. I learned my lesson on the Birmingham accent, particularly after all the crowd trouble that happened over the weekend. They weren't so happy, can, were they? They weren't I, I happy with your impression. I assume that they listened on what I had to yeah. say and then uh, kicked off accordingly. Adam, how do you see this one going? Oh, I actually, I don't think it's going to be as clear cut as Perhaps the form table suggests. Nice turn of phrase. Uh, if Adam comes out with a nil-nil draw now, I'm, I'm going home. No, 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 no. This is this is the return of the Desmond. This oh. is going to be two-two. First Desmond of the evening. Welcome back, Adam. Welcome to Thank the family. Thank you. Zilla, though, they do need to start scoring again. In particular, Ollie Watkins, because we ripped it out of uh, Mr. A.D. Hopper of this parish earlier in the season for taking out. Ollie Watkins when he was scoring a hatful of goals uh, from his fantasy team but I'm on his wavelength because I've put him in my fantasy team and I've had him for about eight weeks and I feel like he hasn't scored at all since then and he's still seen as having a good season and banging form but I'm not sure the figures stack up with that. Well that's why that's why he's not scoring is because you've put him in your fantasy team. Take him out and he'll get a hat trick. Yeah I guarantee I'll bench way. him I'll bench him and then he gets a couple doesn't he so we're gonna have to leave him in now. Well Alexander Izak has slowly worked his way onto my list of least liked strikers because he's incredible, but only when I don't have him. So I subbed him in, I subbed him out, I transferred him in and out and then back in and he stopped scoring. He's your hokey-cokey player. He is, he really is. That's the problem with Newcastle is realistically, they've got one fantastic striker. It's just that Isaac is fit for 50% of the games. Wilson is fit for 50% of the games and therefore combined, they're a great striker. But fantasy football won't let you do that. It's a good point. I did see Wilson was linked with Atletico Madrid last week. I don't think that that is going ahead because they've turned their attention to um, Moisey Ken, I think, from um, formerly of Everton in oh, Juventus. But, I th- I... but as we've just been talking about, though, I probably heard that from Romano or Ornsty. So, you know, who's to say whether that's true or not? Sorry, Tom, going dangerously off subject there. But how do you see this one going tonight between Villa and Newcastle? Oh, I think. I am going to go for a Desmond again. I think Ooh. like London buses, they come two at a time. And uh, 
yeah i just think i don't th- i don't really think there's too much to add i mean villa have had two decent draws they've only lost recently to villa uh, to united i should say in a fluke defeat united sorry newcastle well newcastle united are uh, slowly on the way back so draw i think is fair 1-0 aston villa john mcginn with the goal that's how i see this one going villa are quite good they've sort of got a vibe of 1-0 to the arsenal that used to be the thing back in the day so i'm told rick i don't actually know but i'm led to believe that 1-0 to the arsenal was very much a thing at one time i think villa have got a couple of notable 1-0s at villa park this season including arsenal and manchester city so i'm going to stick my neck on the line and say that aston villa walks Win this one by a goal to nil. But that's all for tonight's offerings. But there is still offerings tomorrow and Thursday as well. And it's the reverse of Manchester City, Burnley. Tom, I'll come back to you for this one. Do we worry for Burnley here? The return of Vincent Company, of course, to the Etihad? Kind of a free hit, to be honest. I mean, the advance on five. No, 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 no. City are doing that weird thing where you think they're going to hit five and they just kind of just it's comfortable they don't really get out of second gear i'm gonna say three nil there's definitely a nil because burnley haven't scored against city since uh 2020 in any competitions so yeah it's going to be three nil to the uh the citizens rick four nil to abu dhabi i'm more interested given the the status of these two teams where they are in the league I'm very intrigued as to exactly how many goals Adam's going to go for because I think we've, as as yet, we haven't had a double figures prediction and I fear that that record could could go tonight. I, th- I think Adam's winding himself up for a biggie and this could be it. I am a man of great ambition, but 10, I think, is a push. Um, nine, however. No, no. The issue with Burnley. Uh, nine has happened. Run, well, it has. the question. Largely, the issue with Vincent Company is that Vincent Company still kind of thinks he has some connection to Man City, by which I mean his players that have played for Burnley can play like Man City. Uh, it was exactly seen like this in the FA Cup last year when they were absolutely dominating the championship uh, and they got stuffed 5-0. We saw it at the beginning of the season. I remember watching that game and they got trounced at Turf Moor. It was meant to be all this exciting. We've returned and they conceded within, what, three minutes? It's still an issue that I think Burnley's style of play, with the quality of the players they've got, just does not suit against Man City, particularly the Etihad. I'm going to go 6-0. Still big. That's still big. Because I think Haaland's coming back tomorrow as well. Thank God. For fantasy reasons only. Yes. Doesn't bode well, does it, that City sort of feel like they're on their way back winning at the weekend as well. And like you say, Haaland's still to to come back into the mix but i think i'm going to go for four nil and i think we've all, we're all in agreement that it's going to be a drubbing and burnley are going to get absolutely nothing from this game and definitely one that vincent company or he'll lap up the applause and it will be similar to when they played in the fa was it the fa cup last year mm, yeah. and there was the talk of company coming back and then they were four nil down pretty quickly in that game from what i seem to remember so Here's yeah. a question, because nobody seems to want to say it. Does Burnley sack company at some point this season? No. No. Why? Because they've invested too much in his philosophy and the work that changed from the Deitch ball before. So I think that they're too invested in it. They'll stick with it and it'll 
they'll hope that it evolves over time and gets them back up again next season. I'd be I'd be amazed if they sack him for that reason. I was amazed when they sacked Dice. So yeah, this is my question: is everyone everyone else at that sort of level and the way they've played would have either been chopped or is very close, and yet he seems high and dry. I guess it does depend if suddenly we get to march and there's still a mathematical chance that they can do it but it still looks like they've cut adrift and then we'll start to see if they really do truly start to panic or not if you get through that bit then i think it'll be okay yeah but i think they've accepted they're getting relegated so they're going to see it and say this is a long-term project over more than one season two seasons three seasons so next up then we've got a london derby on the offering spurs against brentford tom i'll start with you spurs were unlucky at the weekend against City, do you expect them to uh, get a good result here at home to Brentford? Yes, yeah, definitely. Other than Ivan Tony, they still really don't have much to to work with at the moment. Brentford, that is. So, even though Son is missing for Spurs, Richarlison, regrettably, is in pretty good form now. He's doing pretty well, and I think there's there's just going to be plenty in this one. I'm going to say three one to uh, to the Tottenham Hotspurs. What about you, Rick? I believe that Tom Bailey may be correct. Oh, unless they get another free kick that Tony can move the ball for. He can't get away with that again, can he? Now everyone's going to be wise to that. He's going to be looking out for the cheeky monkey. He's not allowed to do that again. We haven't discussed this, but I mean, given given his, his comeback game, was, was that in good taste? Do you think the build-up and all the hurrahs and whatever for a bloke who's basically served the ban for breaking the rules and... Gambling and betting on things. I thought it was all a bit... I was iffy. thinking a penny for the lawyer's thoughts, uh, looking yeah. at all of that fanfare. For it's one a bit of a, a hero's he- messiah's return, wasn't it? It was a little bit. But anyway, back to this one. Madison's fit. Yeah, so I, I think it'd be, uh, as we say in Somerset, Dree one. What about you, Adam? What did you make of the goal over the weekend? It was very much a case of Vicario not being strong enough. Would you agree with that? Or did you think there was a foul in there? No, I, I think it was I think it was just a little mistake from Vicario, really. It was it was a difficult one. And I thought Spurs have still got something. I, I really do like how Spurs are playing this year. And it's the type of thing that I think will push past Brentford fairly easily. I think I think three one is actually a fantastic description uh, and accurate prediction. They will get one. Um, it'll be yeah. Tony will do something. I agree on the penny for the lawyer's thoughts on on Tony. I think it's ridiculous that they made this huge fanfare of his return and in the same what within twenty four hours he was talking about interviews of wanting to return to a larger club, the same club that's paid his wages whilst he's been an idiot for eight months. It, it's not great. As I say, the whole the whole scenario and how he got banned was. It's controversial in its own right, and they sort of took it to an extent that I didn't think it needed. But when you're that much of a one-man team, you know, Yeovil would never be this, even Michael Smith aside, perhaps. But it's it's a slightly difficult one for uh, for Brentford. But no, I think I think Spurs will be too. I didn't actually know Madison was back, but with that in, yeah, I think it just adds to it. So I think I'm going to come in here and say that Spurs will get a four-one win here. I think there'll be lots of goals. I think Tony might potentially get in on the action, but I think Spurs, they're they're still quite tasty and Madison coming back. I think there will be goals, 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 goals here, Rick Hyatt. What about the next fixture? Because Tom Bailey, not only is this a dress rehearsal for the Carabao Cup final, we haven't had an opportunity to talk about the announcement on Friday. Jurgen Klopp announcing that he's going to pack it in at the end of the season. Tom, I've not had a chance to speak to you. Are you okay? How are you feeling, my friend? I am Annie. Uh, I am okay. 
it's been a hard couple of days when it broke my uh my work colleagues they floated it and i was uh i genuinely didn't believe them at first i thought it was a joke a sick twisted joke and uh sure enough it was real look he is going to go down as one of at the bare minimum the three greatest managers in liverpool's history and the things he has done for this football club and for the city of liverpool have been truly spectacular and uh i don't know if we'll see anything quite like that again he made me love Liverpool again and made me believe if Barcelona's possible, anything's possible. So for that moment alone, that was on my birthday as well that night. For that moment alone, I thank Jurgen Klopp. He brought our first title in 30 years. Even if Rick decides it's got an asterisk on it, I don't think it does. He's won us a Champions League. He's won us a Carabao Cup. He's won us an FA Cup. He's won us a Club World Cup. He's won us a Community Shield. Two of them, I think. You name it, he has won it. And... He is possibly one of the top three managers, current managers in the world as well. And yeah, it's an end of an era, really. It's going to be a shame, but Rick looks like he's about to be sick. So uh, we'll, we'll move on to the actual fixture itself. That Liverpool have had plenty of goals. They absolutely hammered Norwich, as we all expected. Um, Chelsea are looking pretty good as well. Again, they've, they've not really, they held uh, Villa to a nil-nil draw at the weekend in the FA Cup as well. Obviously hit six past Middlesbrough midweek last week. Uh, so there could be plenty of goals. And for that reason, it's a one-all because it's Liverpool versus Chelsea. Nothing else happens than draws. And Paul Tierney is the referee. So Liverpool will be screwed. Anything you'd like to say, Rick Hyatt? I'd like to hear from Adam. I think that's very wise, Mr Hyatt. Um, I'm going to combine it and say that I'm actually very disappointed that Klopp's leaving too. I really like how Liverpool play. As somebody who has no real affinity to any particular Premier League club, I've got a lot of respect for what he did. It takes a lot to be an honorary scouter, and he thinks you've done that rather well, whether you want to be, um, because I'm seeing the daggers that Rick Hyatt is currently giving me. Uh, The idea that whether you want that is an entirely different matter. But uh, I think it was very, very good. I think Liverpool are still going to win this, but it's not going to be as a, much of a formality as perhaps it did look in a couple of weeks ago, really. I had the pleasure of watching Chelsea play Middlesbrough at the Riverside, so when they lost 1-0, and it is without doubt one of the most underwhelming performances I've ever watched, which was very, very funny. So the fact that when I went and did some research for this and saw that they'd actually won four of the last five Premier League games actually came as a bit of a shock, really, because it's a it's a team that aren't quite piece together still and it's still not looking right that being said they held Villa and this season that's an impressive feat in and of itself 2-1 one Liverpool Rick they do you, have you anything that you'd like to say I have it's just whether or not my son would will, will let me talk on this issue that's all but I've, I can only really echo what Thomas said in terms of Klopp's era and as we all know regardless of how you personally judge people's time at a club for me, it's about a feeling and connection of when you follow your team. And it's very much been nine years of of actually feeling like you're going to go into games having a chance. I mean, we spoke about it in the chat not long ago that, you know, the team that Rogers left behind. I mean, we were relying on Danny Ings. We were relying on, relying on Fabio Barini, Ricky Lambert and Mario Balotelli. So to be able to sort of be a destination now rather than just a stepping stone. And just to be able to get us into that position when we were competing against the team that might go down as having cheated for it all, in which case, 
you know, you could argue that from where we were, we've completely overachieved to even win one Premier League title and one Champions League, etc., etc. But to even to just be at that top looking out rather than the other way around has just been really, really impressive and a really joyful part, particularly during COVID as well, because, you know, there's a time in my life when I was living on my own in a flat during lockdown and having football, trying to get it back to where we wanted it, of course, with no fans, etc. But just having a team that was actually winning again and giving me some sort of comfort that there wasn't really a lot going on in life for anyone during that period. So it's always going to have that connection as well, that he was there during that time. And I think that he's going to get a really good send off. But of course, the pressure's on in many ways now, because it's all going to be about the narrative of doing it for Klopp in his last season. So the pressure's on. But I think in terms of this game, Liverpool will come out with a 2-1 narrow home win as you say it'll be not as straightforward as you'd hope it never is with these games but I think they'll just about have enough don't really have too much to add on Klopp himself other than the fact that it's obviously going to be really key as to who comes in next because there isn't a lot of obvious candidates and we've seen before at other clubs that it's not that easy when you come in off the back of somebody that's been so dominant and been there for so long. Rick, even if there's not much to say on what you feel about Klopp, but I think you can resonate with the next decision, whatever Liverpool take, or be a massive one. Ah, Sam Allardyce. It's an easy decision. Um, Till end of season? Yeah, I'll give it gigsy till the end of the season. Do you want me to give you my take on the whole Klopp? Yeah, you can do. There'll be Manchester United fans wanting to know what you've got to say and they'll be wanting you to give your opinion. So, Harry does. Okay, I try and be as balanced about this as as I can be. Since Friday when the news broke, initially, obviously, it's hilarious. But I've actually found it quite distasteful. The deification of Jurgen Klopp. This is a bloke who, as, as Tom said, he's probably, what, Liverpool's fourth best manager that they've had in their history possibly might scrape into the top five Premier League managers that there have been since the Premier League started. There's an awful lot of presentism gone into the whole situation. And thank goodness there was a big fight at West Brom against Wolves because I I dread to think what the build-up that ITV would have had to that game. There's a football match going on and it would have been all about Jürgen. And I get it. I I, I can see he's one of those characters that if he's yours, you love him. If he's not... You feel pretty much the same way I do. But I do I do think it's all got a bit distasteful. He's not died. He's still going to be around. He's just not going to be managing Liverpool. And it, do if you anything... not feel that that links in with the point we were making earlier about the content in football generally, that this does seem to be a bit of a prerequisite of big stories now, yeah, particularly it, with coverage? Yeah, but I'll tell you one thing it does do, is it makes me appreciate the job that Sir Alex Ferguson did at Manchester United. If Jurgen Klopp's burnt out after nine seasons, that's a third of a Fergie. Makes you realise the magnitude of what, what he achieved. Jurgen Klopp's won an FA Cup, a European Cup and a Premier League with Liverpool. Fergie did that in 10 days. To put things into, into context, and Liverpool would have, if it wasn't for the financial doping of Manchester City, Liverpool would probably, with a team that they've had that was performing as well as it was in the Premier League... It's probably cost Liverpool two Premier Leagues, but then again, it's also cost cost United two as well. So, yeah, I just find the whole thing a little bit distasteful at the moment. And having said that, Liverpool beat Chelsea 2-0. That's what I was looking for. Okay, just to give you a little 
No! Oh no, I've broken my duck, haven't I? I predicted a Liverpool win. Knickers! Yes! I, I was so busy sat on my high horse, I've let my guard slip and I, I'm, I've actually predicted a Liverpool win. Uh, yeah. I almost thought you didn't even notice what you had said. No, it wasn't until after I, the words had left. Oh no! Bloody Klopp! Well, moving I'm on. I'm delighted that I've witnessed yeah, this. I think, I I think that's, really that's covered. Quickly, Tom, West Ham Bournemouth on Thursday. I'm off oh, for a shower. He can't possibly he can't possibly edit this out now. West Ham Bournemouth. Well, I think that Bournemouth are gonna do it again. I think it's gonna be a two one to Bournemouth. Uh, West Ham looked a little bit shaky recently, gone four games without a win now. And Bournemouth, other than that freak loss against Liverpool and the loss against Spurs, have been unbeaten again since I said those words. So, for that reason... Is he safe uh, this week? Is he safe for another week? Yeah, he, I think he's safe for another week. Okay. Yeah, I think we can safely say that. West Ham will continue to miss Kudus. Um, and Antonio is also still out, as is Pakatar. So, yeah, I think it's going to be a 2-1 Bournemouth win. Adam, over to you. I have very thoughts on this. And as a result, uh, if in doubt, pick Desmond. Ooh. I, a I second just think, Desmond offering. Yeah, I, I can see... I can see James Ward-Prowse picking up with a free kick from an outrageous angle. And I can see Bournemouth being fairly threatening. And as a result, about two goals worth of threatening. Rick Hyatt, how do you see, how do you see this one? You know, but bearing in mind that you've got your brother to think about here. So there's always an additional something riding on this one for you. I don't think that my predictions, given my last prediction, I don't want to predict any more scores. I've spilled it for myself now. I, even I don't believe what I'm saying anymore. But I think it will be a one-a-piece draw. I feel like, going back to it, Rick, there's almost a part of you that wishes that you were eulogising about Klopp, but saying Liverpool would lose to Chelsea. Yeah. I would, the yeah. other way round. I threw myself... I tried to give... I was so anti-Klopp, <laughs> and I wanted to get it off my chest, that I threw myself and forgot that one of the rules of the predictions pod is that Liverpool never win. I like Mark Lawrenson in reverse, but I've, and I've tripped myself up on that. But West Ham will draw one all with AFC Bournemouth. So it's time for an outrageous prediction. And that outrageous prediction is West Ham United 1, Bournemouth 3. I think it will be a big away win for the Seasiders. And I think... Do we call them the Seasiders? I don't know. I panic. <laughs> I'm sorry. Um, I've predicted Sheffield United to win 4-0. And we're going with the outrageous prediction is Bournemouth winning 3. Yeah, Shocking. no, that's, that, that's fair point. That is a fair point. I do think that every so often with uh, a David Moyes team... They go through a little, just a little period that doesn't last long of where the fans suddenly go, uh, see, I told you, David Moy's out. David Moy's out. And I think we might be going through that at the moment. And then in a couple of weeks' time, it'll all be okay. And they'll be absolutely fine again. It'll win um, a couple of games in Europe and then it'll all be, all be yeah. back to normal. So I think that is what will happen here. But the last game, the last game on offer, it always feels like it's the last game. With, of course, Manchester United involved. They play Wolverhampton Wanderers. Rick, I'll start with you because your club are playing your favourite tangerines. So oh. uh, how do you see this one going? Will Marcus Rashford have behaved himself in time for this game? Thoughts? No, Marcus Rashford will be still on the naughty step and will not be... He, may, he might well be on the, on the... He came off the bench due to his lateness against Wolves last season. I seem to recall yes, and did, scored yes. the winner. 
So maybe it's all part of Eric Ten Hag's master it's plan. It's part of Marcus's big plan, is it? He had this game all along in mm. mind to he be disciplined yeah. and be on the bench for it. Yeah, anyway, and then all will be forgiven. I think that the uh, one Anana will be sent off and Wolves will get a penalty because that's what should have happened in the first game and didn't. So it's probably a prerequisite that that's going to happen. But I think that the, uh, the Wolverhampton wandering Tangerine men are going to, to lose by... Two English goals to one English goal. Tom, I'll throw it to you next. I've gone for a Desi Des. United struggled against a 2-2. Uh, you see me trying to work that out. <laughs> it's absolutely baffled. I was like, it's Desmond. <laughs> <laughs> I, I just... Uh, Wolves are better than I always give them credit for. United aren't as good as I give them credit for. United struggled against Newport. For 10 who, minutes. Even Yeovil beat. Newport. I know we were there. You got it. We were there. Talking about people's predictions, I'm pretty sure I said four-one. So I wasn't. I'll, I'll. I'll take that. I'll take that. Yeah. I can't even remember what I said. It doesn't matter now. But yeah, I think it's going to be a Desmond Anthony. Of course, will score. Now he's uh, broken his duck for the season against the the might of uh, the Welsh outfit. So two-two for me. I'm not really sure how I see this one. To be honest, uh, something screaming. Uh, a one nil Manchester United, the the one the kind of games that we've said about on this pod many a time, the whole get in, get out, not a great performance, but just about do enough to to take the points and move on. And I th- I think that might happen here. Wolves, you never know whether their strikers click or don't. Like Cunha, for example. He's on his day, he's fantastic, but he can also be absolutely horrendous as well. You're never not, not quite sure what Cunha you're going to get until the, the day of the game. Um, obviously, got Neto coming back, scored at the weekend. Wang is still away it, in the Asian Cup. So for that reason, I'm going to say a stale 0-1 Manchester United win, as much as I hate going in that direction. But it's Wins all about win. the prediction table. Adam? I, I think you're absolutely right. It's going to be get in, get out. A disappointing performance, but Wolves will nick it. I think genuinely Wolves are the type... I think they're genuinely the type of club that that United should win and for all intents and purposes should completely dominate. And that's precisely why they won't, because that seems to be how Man United function most of the time. Wolves have got it in them to nick two goals from relatively nowhere. Anything more I think would be unrealistic and... Rick would actually drive up to York and punch me in the face. And I, well, I can't say I wouldn't blame him. But, you know, it's it's a difficult one. I I still can't see United ever looking in control of any game, ever. And Newport completely showed, showed that. It's really scrappy. It's, it's still missing things. A defensive blunder, plenty of those. Again, yeah, which Cunha are you going to get? Yeah, that's, a, that's fairly uh, accurate. So, in conclusion, uh, two Portuguese goals to one Dutch one. What a way to end the prediction with Adam Davis sounding more and more like Rick Hyatt as the weeks and months go by. Don't ever think you don't have an influence around here, Rick, because you absolutely do, my friend. I don't think so. I think you overstate it. But I, I, funny you should say Adam turning into someone. Do you know who he struck me as tonight? Some, some of the things he said. Who, Adam? Yeah. If you say A.D. Hopper, I will end no, this call. Right good Lord, now. no. Good Lord, no. No, there's a touch of the Simon Cowles about you. Just, just, just sat there. The way you led us along. That used to be one of my favourite songs. And yeah, there was a touch of Cowell about you today. Lucky me. <laughs> Each performance. 
I didn't like it. I, I loved, loved it. it. Yeah. yeah, Adam Davis. Yeah. <laughs> Which is exactly what I will say to Gary O'Neill on Thursday night. I've gone off you now. <laughs> well, you were asking for an impression right at the start of this yeah. pod, Rick, and you're wanting a Premier League manager, but you got Simon Cowell instead. But we want judges on this podcast, so he's welcome. Absolutely, he's welcome. Well, boys, we've got through our bonus edition, our second pod of the week for the additional fixtures that we have to look forward to. So it just gives me an opportunity to say, Tom Bailey, thank you very much for joining us, sir. Thank you very much for having me. It's been a pleasure as ever. Rick Hyatt, thank you very much for your dulcet tones as ever. And I'll see you later on this evening. Yes, yes. Looking forward to that. Uh, I just, who was it who said about, did somebody say something about Kloppo going to um, Barcelona earlier on in the pod? I think, Tom might have mentioned yeah. about the possibility. You know where he's going, don't you? You know where he's going to go to Next season, he'll be in charge of Ajax. And you'll link up. Oh, oh, oh my friend Jordan. There oh. you go. Oh, I'm, I'm not sure. I, I, feel, I, feel, I feel like Jordan might be a bit like, oh, no, I'm not going to get any more games. <laughs> I'm tired. <laughs> I'm tired, Robbie. Adam Davis, thank you very much for joining us again. I hope to speak to you again by the end of the season. Uh, certainly, I will make sure that I'm on next week when I sit here wearing uh, full Sheffield United regalia, having seen a uh, an impressive 4-0 performance. Uh, really enjoyed it. Thank you very much for having me. No worries. It's a good night from myself, Dave Pryor, as you have been listening to... Football, by the hell.